is endometriosis? For those that don't know, endometriosis is a painful disorder in which tissue, similar to the tissue that normally lines the inside of your uterus, the endometrium, grows outside of your uterus. Endometriosis most commonly involves your ovaries, fallopian tubes, and the tissue lining your pelvis, but can also spread to other areas as well, such as your bowel, bladder, rectum, lungs, brain, and skin. Some symptoms of endo include painful periods, painful ovulation, pain with intercourse, pain with urination or bowel movements, excessive bleeding, infertility, chronic pain in the back and pelvis, nerve pain in the legs, constipation, headaches, extreme fatigue, nausea, and bloating, which is often referred to as endobelly. Um, with endobelly, your stomach hardens and bloats and it looks like you're a few months pregnant. For me personally, my most common symptoms were painful cramps throughout my entire cycle, nausea, dizziness, bloating, and fatigue. I have experienced other symptoms as well, but those are my daily main symptoms. Being nauseous and dizzy so often makes you feel like you're in a constant state of being hungover. Sometimes it's a struggle to eat or drink anything. Other times you eat too much when you finally feel better. It's hard to function or sleep when the room is spinning. Dealing with bloating or endobelly, you feel so insecure about your body. You get told you gained weight or you lost weight when the bloating subsides. You look pregnant, but it's just your disease mocking you while simultaneously affecting your fertility. Being fatigued is rough. It feels like you've been tranquilized or your eyes just get heavy and swollen and you're to the point where you just cannot function. Fatigue is a constant state of being tired, not sleepy, but physically exhausted. And it's something I've struggled with for a long time. Years ago, I had seen doctors for several of my symptoms and couldn't figure out what was wrong. When I lived in Maryland a few years ago, I was suffering severely from several health problems, and half of them were probably from underlying endometriosis, and I had no idea. Like many, it took a long time to get my diagnosis. On average, there is a 7-10 to 10 year delay in getting that diagnosis. For people going to the doctor with symptoms, it takes an average of 8 years for them to be heard and get their diagnosis. That's insane. Endometriosis can be classified into four stages. Stage 1 being minimal lesions. Stage 4 being severe. 1 in 10 reproductive-aged individuals, or an estimate of 200 million women worldwide, suffer from endometriosis. Research believes that about 11% of people assigned female at birth have endometriosis in the United States. That may not seem like a lot, but that's 6.5 million people. And that number could be more because of the delay in diagnosis and lack of education that number could be much more, and we don't even know it. Currently, there is no known exact cause of endometriosis, and there is no cure. The disease can impact all aspects of life, school, career, finances, relationships, and overall well-being. 
The symptoms may be so severe that individuals miss out on school, work, sports, or social events. Pain associated with endometriosis does not necessarily stop when a hysterectomy is completed and is therefore not usually recommended as a sole treatment option for endometriosis at this time. Menopause also does not necessarily help with the pain of endometriosis. Some women just cannot escape it. Research shows that there is a link between endometriosis and autoimmune diseases. Some people even want endometriosis classified as an autoimmune disease because of the way it attacks the body. Many skilled doctors that are educated on endometriosis and the way it spreads and attacks the body want endometriosis to be treated similar to cancer. They believe it is essentially like benign cancer tissue that attacks the body, but still, women, trans men, and non-binary people constantly face lack of quality care and lack of aggressiveness in treating this painful disorder. Research is showing that those with endometriosis are also at a higher risk for developing ovarian cancer and breast cancer. Endometriosis can sometimes be seen on an MRI and ultrasound, but the only definitive diagnosis is through laparoscopic surgery. Aside from surgery, there are other treatment options that may help alleviate pain or may slow the progression of endo, but none are perfect. Most of the medications stop the production of certain hormones to prevent or regulate ovulation, menstruation, and the growth of endometriosis. This treatment sends the body into a menopausal state. Many treatment options cannot be taken consecutively for too long or they can cause serious long-term effects. For some people, the side effects of the drug outweigh the need to attempt to suppress the endometriosis. A lot of people are forced to choose certain health issues over others. Hopefully as endometriosis research enhances, better treatment becomes available. For me personally, because I am dealing with my endometriosis and IVF at the same time, I have not had to be on medication for endometriosis for very long. Um, I was on it briefly in between getting my surgery and starting my IVF, and I was was on a chemo drug called Lupron, which causes very severe side effects. I would not choose to have that as a normal treatment option for me personally, but because it was only temporary, I had to be on it for a little bit. I'm not going to get into all the drugs that can be used to treat endometriosis, but I will say that the side effects are severe for almost all of them. And that's something, you know, people have to talk through with their doctors and figure out what's best for them. And I'll also say opioids are used to treat endometriosis and people get addicted You just have to be very careful. If anyone wants to reach out to me um, about, you know, the different medications used to treat endometriosis, I will be glad to talk to them about it, but I'm not going to put it all in here for everyone, just because it's too much to go through. Um, Since I was young, I'd be very nauseous, fatigued, had pain in my abdomen often, and had heart palpitations and chest heaviness. It made me not want to go to school, and adults thought I simply just didn't want to go because I was making and I, that I was making things up. 
it was hard because it felt like nobody was listening to me and sometimes I'd also feel like okay maybe it is all in my head I felt bad cramps throughout my cycle and was told it was normal and to push through it teachers didn't give me a break when I was in pain doctors only checked my appendix and told me I have anxiety and sent me on my way I do have anxiety as well, which has never been treated, but every time I would go for my cramps, they'd check my appendix, blame it on my anxiety, and didn't offer anything for my anxiety though either. They didn't they didn't offer for me to be seen. Um, so I just listened to everyone around me and I pushed through it. When I started working, I pushed through the pain at work. When I started driving, I pushed through the pain while driving. And if I had to pull over for 30 minutes because of excruciating pain that was affecting my driving, then I would. At every job I've had, I've tried to go above and beyond to be a good worker. I didn't want my pain to show on my face or in my work. I didn't want people to think I couldn't pull my own weight or I was being lazy. I am just not the type to settle for being mediocre. So I worked harder than everyone else. I began getting recognized by my bosses for doing superior work. And with that gratification, I kept it up. I pushed myself. I took on extra shifts. I'd work 12-hour shifts, come home to my husband, cook and clean, and do it all over again. I survived on crazy amounts of coffee and barely any food. I skipped my lunch breaks so I wouldn't crash. Or I skipped my lunch breaks because there was too much to do and we were understaffed or whatever the case was, but I still got docked for those hours. I was pushing myself so hard and then one day it landed me in the ER. I passed out at work, I had heart palpitations, I was dizzy, my limbs were tingly, I was fatigued, I had slurred speech and blurred vision. I was just weak. I worked at a hospital so they admitted me to their their ER there at the hospital. I was scared, but I did not want to be admitted to the ER. I kept telling them, no, I'm fine, and I was not fine. I'm still, to this day, dealing with the slurred speech, blurred vision, and other symptoms from this incident that I had not had previously before this incident. A little backstory, I had recently begun taking Accutane uh, medication to manage my rosacea, a skin condition and the acne-like bumps associated with that skin condition. There are many side effects with Accutane, and my doctors determined that I may have had a stroke at work. And all my doctors told me really was, look, we think you had a stroke, and watch out for another one. That was what, watch out for another one was what they said to me. I got yelled at for the way I was treating my body at work, the way I was eating or not eating. Upon checking my blood work, my liver enzymes were also tripled what they were supposed to be. A few weeks into Accutane, I had to stop taking it. And I also had a huge wake-up call about how I had been living. I still overworked myself at jobs, but not as much as I was. You know, some days I would be pushing myself just as hard as I was those days previously before the stroke or whatever it was. And other days I would take a step back and say, hey, you're doing too much. You can't, you can't be doing this. 
Like, you can be a good worker, you can be a hard worker without pushing yourself as much as you are. You don't have to be the best. I forced myself to have a more balanced diet and not skip meals so often, but I still skipped my lunch break. I would just nibble here and there on things that were easy to quick grab. And sometimes I fell back into my old habits, but... At least I was trying. And each time I started a new job, I felt like I had to prove myself worthy. As mentioned previously, I even worked through a miscarriage. That's traumatizing. So when I was asked, are your cramps debilitating by the only doctor to care enough to ask? I said no initially. I had pushed myself through the pain And I wasn't taking care of my body and was burning myself out. And because I was pushing through it, I thought that meant that they weren't debilitating. I truly think schools, workplaces, and doctors should be listening to women's concerns, accommodating their disease on bad days, and stop acting as if they are a burden to others. Some ways schools and workplaces can do so is to allow a hot water bottle or microwavable heating pad for women to use on their abdomen or back. The ability to structure your own workday so you can concentrate on less demanding tasks when you're in a brain fog or to utilize note-taking in school to refer back to when you're not in a brain fog. Something I did in college that I was not allowed to do in high school was record the sessions. I'm a very smart person and I can pick things up easily. Usually I only had to hear it once and I understood it. But when I had those flare-ups, when I had bad days, I couldn't remember anything. So having that video to look back on or pictures was so helpful. Another thing is... Don't call on students when they're in a brain fog or they're in excruciating pain and they don't want to be put on the spot while they're in pain and they're unsure of the answer. In some cases, being allowed to work from home if the pain is so bad you can't walk. Or being allowed more frequent breaks to walk around or go to the bathroom. And I know it can easily be said, hey, it's not fair that you're getting special treatment. But endometriosis is considered one of the most painful conditions you can have. And though it may be invisible to others, it's a chronic condition that attacks the body similar to autoimmune diseases and benign cancer, but is often brushed off. We have come a long way as a society. And nowadays, learning disabilities and certain conditions are you're accommodated for those to help you learn better in high school now but one of those things is not endometriosis and why is that because people classify it as a reproductive disease and can't see the issue and think it's not real like not I understand not getting 
accommodation for having endometriosis on a daily normal basis but during those flare-ups at least during the moments where the pain is too bad or the symptoms are too bad young girls should be accommodated for in school this disease absolutely affects productivity it would be days where I didn't want to move at school or work it would be days where I was incredibly fatigued it would be days I'd call off at school I was put on probation and if I missed one more day I couldn't attend prom it would be days where I'd have to read the same email or the same sentence ten times before my brain could register it it's a constant battle that women and young girls should not be shamed for dealing with the disease while also dealing with the way they are treated by those around them that are not listening to their concerns can put our youth into a depressive state it could put anyone into a depressive state despite its significant burden on women their families and society as a whole endometriosis is underfunded and under-researched greatly limiting understanding of the disease and slowing much-needed innovation in diagnostic and treatment options. On the bright side, Senate recently approved a historic amendment doubling federal research funding for endometriosis, and hopefully this brings about change. Advocate for yourself and for others.